Hello. <laughs> it's been a while, Steve. It, fe- it feels like we've tried to do this three or four times. It does feel like that, doesn't it? <laughs> what a sad indictment on our life. Now, help me get this straight in my head again. Is mm. this the first time mm. we have talked since we met each other? It is. This is the first time that we have managed to actually uh, to, to, to make that, that, uh, that connection of... <laughs> Which is which is pretty pretty sad, given that in the, uh, the I think it's the four weeks now since we caught up. I think our daughters have managed to FaceTime <laughs> each other about seventy five times. Um, so you know, there has been a lot of Malk Gorkroger oh. uh, conversation. It just hasn't been happening between the two of us. Man, I, I have been impressed. I like it was wonderful to meet your clan after having you know heard them be talked about so often. Um, and I was—I I will admit—a little bit tentative at our kids' meeting because our kids are a year or two younger than both of yours, and in that scenario, there can be a really weird vibe. You know, it's different mm-hmm. when you—you know—one's four and one's six. When they're like, you know, as old as ours are, it can be kind of like, well, then why do I have to hang out with kids? Mm. Um, but our daughters seem to have found each other as kindred spirits. I think there is no other way to describe it. <laughs> like, uh, well, Callie is actually away at a school camp all this week. She's due back this afternoon. Uh, oh, God. And, I'm and going to hear all about it. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I'm wondering to see how long it will be that she spends like speaking uh, to, to Rach and I yes. before she goes, oh, look, can I just go FaceTime Lily? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I will swear to you, the other Sunday, they were FaceTiming each other for like three and a half hours. <laughs> Is it? I'm just really grateful that they are living at a time when we can do that, you know, like oh. over the net at minimal cost. Because, because I remember when I was in high school, I actually had a girlfriend who lived in mm. Armadale, and oh, Armadale that, that she Armadale, could have been on the moon for you, Dave. <laughs> Armadale was a trunk call. So, yeah, uh, we had to run like a a timer every time oh. we were on the phone. Because uh, after the first month that uh, we'd been going out, like this enormous phone bill lobbed <laughs> at both houses. <laughs> and strangely enough, uh, both her father and mine uh, weren't as keen on us keeping in touch as the two of us were. They so... don't understand what love is, Dave. They don't no, get it. They don't. Oh, uh, whereas now, you know, these kids, they've got full motion video at... at you know, practically zero cost, which, oh. which I'm pretty happy about. Mate, it's amazing. Seriously, I uh, I reflect on when um, lovely wife and I were were courting, if we'll call it that. Now, this is only 1999 into 2000-ish. Yeah, mm-hmm. thereabouts. I lived on the central coast of New South Wales. Funnily enough, she lived in Armadale, Urala, technically. Um, however, in that scenario, same vibe. Right, it was a long distance call. The interesting hook on it was that that was about the time that Telstra, who were really only the major carrier still at that point, started to offer this idea of um, nighttime calls where you could oh, ring yes. after six or seven and talk until 
midnight or for three hours for a fixed cost. Mm-hmm. So we, similar thing, the timer went on, but only to go, oh, it's nearly this time, we'll have to go. Um, so that was fine. We spent most nights on the phone together. Then when I moved to Queensland and Daylight Savings came along, it, what would normally happen was she would ring me and then at her, her midnight, she would hang up and I would call her if we hadn't finished talking. <laughs> nice. And, uh, but my cost for that hour was usually about the same as the four hours we just spent on mm-hmm. the phone. Yeah, well, well, I'm pretty sure... Uh, our, I'm pretty sure, so it would have been 1993? Yeah, it was 93. Yeah, sure. 93, 94. And so I think at that stage, Sundays they had my, maybe introduced a... Um, like a cheaper rate, but the big thing was you like the, the, the big advertise. Hey, look how cheap this is! Was like a dollar for five minutes. So mm. when you're on the phone for a couple of hours, <laughs> a couple yes. of times a week, that adds up remarkably quickly. Also, oh. it was pointed out to me. <laughs> at, well, at that point when Michelle and I were dating, like doing the long distance phone dating thing, and to be fair, when we're doing the calls when I was on the Central Coast, we weren't going out. We were just getting to know each other. Um, in that kind of weird exclusive, we're not seeing anyone else, but we spend a lot of time on the phone with each other stage. And I almost, I almost went to work to pay for the phone bill. <laughs> Even though we would share the, you know, well, you, you call tonight, I'll call tomorrow night, all that sort of thing. Now, I can call my wife on my mobile to her, mo- her mobile. It costs us nothing. What the hell? And, and do you? <laughs> Well, not for the hours like we used to. <laughs> oh, where's the love gone? <laughs> Young love. Oh, boy. Oh, Dave, so yes. much has happened since we last talked. I know, and, and, and we, we haven't... Well, we haven't talked about your, your massive, massive trip to Gilgandra. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure Lily and Callie have talked all about it, but we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, oh. I have a suspicion. I have a suspicion that Lily's take on the trip might be slightly different to yours. Oh, yeah, remarkably so. <laughs> so we we had this trip. Dave, settle in, mate. Like oh, if you've got a coffee. Oh, I've got a comfy, comfy chair. chair. Yeah, mm. yeah, get ready. Mm. So the trip was Friday after school. We drove to Moree. Saturday morning, we got up and drove to Gilgandra for my dad's seventieth. Uh, and then we hung out, went out to the farm, of course, helped clean up, went out to the farm, um, hung out there for a bit. And then it was like, so sort of five or six o'clock we went, well, we've got to drive back to Moree now, uh, and went back to Moree and crashed. Oh, sorry, slept. Um, next morning, got up, drove home. So that, that was a busy, busy weekend. If only it were that simple. Um, <laughs> Because I think I got a phone call mm. from my mum, particularly, leading into that week or uh, 10 days beforehand. And, and again, just delivering the, why can't you stay longer? And I went, my son is in grade seven. My daughter is in grade five. My wife has a job. I have a job. We are coming immediately after they finish their responsibilities. I'm finishing work early. We're driving down. We're staying at Maurice so that we don't have to do it all in one night because it will kill us. And then we'll travel back and do the same thing and blah, blah, blah. Um, That that seems quite reasonable to me, Steve. Well, this is the problem, Dave. I I I think it sounds reasonable. 
Listen, you didn't spend a week there. No. Um, you know, like, like, like your, your sainted well, sister. This is, oh no, the si- <laughs> sister is fine, right? <laughs> yeah. The sister is fine because she legitimately flew in from Malaysia where she lives, mm. brought her eldest I- daughter... And I can't imagine that that's the sort of trip that you would do a, a turnaround on the weekend no, anyway. <laughs> no, it was like 110 flights to get out to Dubbo, and then they had to get picked up. Um, but, you know, she ha- they, they hadn't seen Mum in ages. I don't know if she copped any grief. Why didn't you bring the other boys, her other two sons? But Julie and her eldest daughter turned up. Wonderful. They stayed a week, and they sod it off. Fine. Um the golden child younger brother of mine, he and his wife turned up and they stayed a week. Now, I have to tell you, the farmhouse isn't big. As it was, Bruce and his wife stayed in the caravan. Uh, Julie and her daughter shared a double bed in one of the rooms in the farmhouse. Someone else was staying in the farmhouse and mum and dad were in a bedroom in the farmhouse. That's the farmhouse full. There is right. no, no spare space. So <laughs> when it was come down and stay... Where do we stay? Oh, well, you could stay in a motel. We're already staying in a motel. <laughs> it's in Maureen. Catch up. <laughs> you could have bought a tent. <sighs> oh, I could have bought a caravan like everyone else did that stayed there. Um, so we go and we, you know, we get up and we've kind of prepped the kids, you know, look, don't let grandma and granddad talk about why can't you stay longer. Just talk about you've got school and like they don't need to pressure you. They shouldn't, but they will pressure you. Or at least grandma will. Um and just have a good time. There'll probably be not many people there that you know, um, short of your cousin uh, and your aunties and uncles. Uh, so do that stuff and great. Cool. So we arrive at the, the bowls club at Gill and walk in and it's decorated. I'll say decorated. There were some balloons and streamers, right? It wasn't like right. they'd spent yep, yep. a year doing it. Uh, but it looked nice. It was party time. There were some photos of dad, all that great stuff. And... Now, I had come down not knowing what my responsibility as the eldest son was. Um, I was prepared to MC if that was what they wanted. I was prepared to do a speech, talk about dad, if that was if they wanted me to do that. All of, I was happy to do all of that stuff. Um, I didn't do any of it, Dave, which from an MC perspective, I don't care, right? That's yep, part of what sure. I do in my job. Mm-hmm. No one needs to hear me talk anyway. It's just a thing. Um, mm. But I, w- I kind of had a few things in my head. Like, so I would like to say this stuff about dad. But there was never kind of the window to say anything. My sister, uh, the eldest of the two young sisters, uh, kind of did the MC role. And that was fine. She did a fine enough job. She's a teacher. Whatever. Um, and so it happened. You know, where there was sort of this stuff in here. And his dad's going to say some things. Cut the cake. There was a bit of a... And this was a pretty smart idea. Like a, an A4 sheet double-sided that had all sorts of questions about his life. You know, what, what was his first job? What was his first house when he moved out of home? Where was he born? Um, and I knew probably three quarters of that. And his brothers and sisters that were there knew the other quarter really, really well and bits of the other stuff. So as it turned out, Team Mulk killed it. We, we got the <laughs> highest score out of that thing. It was great. Well... You'd kind of want to. <laughs> well, yes, but they made it a competition and God damn it, I'm going to win that. Uh, so we did. And apparently that didn't go down very well with my mum because we didn't give anyone else a chance. Whatever. Um, there was a pretty decent oh, roll-up. Lots, oh, yeah, lots of locals. I think of Dad's seven siblings, at least three, four. Four were there. Uh, and one of them... 
uh, his eldest brother, unfortunately got really sick, like really sick. So he was out at the farm just trying to sleep that off. Um, so they'd seen him, they knew he was around, but he just didn't come in because he was crook. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that's, that's a thing that happens. Um, so party happens. Can I say, Dave, when, when you think of a Chinese smorgasbord for lunch, <laughs> how much food do you think gets yep. prepared? Chinese smorgasbord, yep, I've got it, pictured. Yeah, yep. how much food do you think gets prepared? Ooh. At a uh, country bowls club mm, Chinese yes. restaurant? I'm thinking that there is usually a substantial amount. Right, well, you like, can double like, that. Like, <laughs> right. Oh, well, so much take, food. You could have taken some home for dinner. Well, <laughs> are, you are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? So... The food gets cooked. Everyone goes around and has... And, and, of course, there was a couple of, you know, well, what dish would Dad like? So he, he loves his Honey King prawns. So the best frozen Honey King prawns were cooked and, you know, just mm-hmm. doused in honey. And, it, and plenty of ubiquitous red sauce. I'm, oh, I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Un, undetermined of origin red sauce. Um, it, was, it was fine. It was lovely food. Um, there was a metric ton left over. So I just thought, well, I wonder what happens with it. Now, the rest of the, you know, it happens and sort of by about half past two, everyone's going, well, this has been wonderful. Th- oh, sorry. Dessert. The dessert table came out. And, and oh, you know, in that all of the stuff came out to the dessert table. There was, like I said, what did I say? Probably 50, 60 people there. There was mm-hmm. enough dessert to feed, like, Napoleon's armies coming across the Alps. <laughs> there was so much food. Um, and look, no one could walk away and say they were hungry. If they did, it's their own bloody stupid fault. So it ends. And of course, the family, particularly all of us are like, well, let's clean up the place. I'm going, what do we need to do? All of the kids have got jobs. All of the grandkids have got jobs. That's fine. Let's do that. We're loading stuff into the cars. Uh, At one point, there was this massive, and I mean massive bowl of, I think someone called it pineapple chiffon. I don't know what that means, but it just (laughs) was like a tin of pineapple chunks and cream. I've I never think. heard those two words put together in in in, in that conjunction. Oh. <laughs> so it was a thing, right? Um, and we're out the back. I'm going, and I'm I'm out there, and there's some cousins and you know aunties, a couple of aunties helping clean up, and they just sort of looked at me as I brought it out, and I went, "What do you want me to do with this? Like it's in a proper serving bowl. It's a massive thing." And they just looked. There'd, there'd been probably a third of it was eaten, and I just went, "What do you want me to do with this?" And they looked at me and went, "Don't tell your mum." And they just poured it into the bin. Because it, it had been sitting out, Dave, for an hour mm. at least. Yeah. So that's, that's it's done, idea, right? It? Well, that's yep, it. It's sure. done. So all the, you know, cleaning up, everything gets packed in, taken back to the farm. Now, as a part of the packing up, I notice that there's probably three or four banana boxes of Chinese takeaway containers full, full of food. I think, well, I guess that's the leftovers. So that all came back to the farm as well. Um... So we get back to the farm, we're unloading all of the stuff, you know, just trying to get it inside. And then I carry in one of these boxes of Chinese and I look at someone who looks like they're in charge and go, because my mum, it turns out, wasn't well. She wasn't very well at all on the Saturday. Um, so as much as she was being social and welcoming people, she was not doing well and has ended up in hospital subsequently. Um, oh, with good. the doctors still trying to work out what's wrong. I just put it down to, it, it's mum disease like whatever is wrong with her is just endemic to her and all of the things that are wrong with her um 
I'm sure she'll get better. Or she doesn't. I mean, I will care. I love her desperately. But shut up about it. Um, (laughs) Don't try and pull the pity stick every time it happens. Um, So I look at them and go, I've got this box of Chinese and there are four more boxes. And somebody just goes, put it in the pantry. Now, this is hot food that has gone into Chinese tubs that is cooling. Mm, mm. I, I put it in the pantry and on my way out, I opened up the chest freezer and went, no, that's full. And I opened up the fridge and went, no, that's full. I wonder where they're going to put it all. Um, so we're unloading stuff. And then there's, of course, all the leftover hang on, hang on. sweets. Hey, hang on, Steve. I, I, I don't want to spoil a story that, that is clearly, sure. cle- clearly oh. you know, has a lot to go with it. But can you just set my mind at ease? <laughs> Does this story end with mass food poisoning? <laughs> Well, if it does, we weren't involved in it, that's for sure. Okay, that's all right. That's, that's fine. I suspect okay. not, but we'll see. Okay. <laughs> so, we, and I'm bringing in all this sweet stuff, and I'm looking at mm. the same kind of people and going, where do we put all this? And they're just going, put it here, I'm finding space in the fridge and freezer. Okay, your problem, I am, I'm being the dutiful son, I'm delivering the goods. Great. Um, and then... I noticed that my mum and dad had kind of pulled up camp seats outside with the, you know some of the aunties and uncles that were staying there and sort of settling in and going like well, like I didn't expect them to help unload and do that stuff. That's fine, um, but they were just settling in. Okay, well I'll go outside and have a talk to them, and then like someone appears with a cup of tea for mum or something, and she turns her nose up at that and goes, "Oh, that's not what I asked for." Blah blah blah. Kind of like, that is really out of that's really out of character for you. So I follow the person that brought the tea in because they then turned on their heel. No worries, I'll get you what you want. Um, and went and got it and come inside and my brother has started washing up. So I've gone, well, I can help here. Can I wipe up for you? And at that point, he said to me the fifth word that he had said to me all day. Yep. <laughs> so, you... so, so you're the prolix one. <laughs> oh, not so much. <laughs> pig-headed little shit. Um... <laughs> So I wipe up and I'm asking him, I go, well, do you know where this goes? It goes over there. Don't you know anything? I'm like, dude, this is my first time here in 12 months. Like, people change things. Whatever. Um, so I wiped up and I'm sort of hearing some of the inside of the, you know, the people bitching about, you know, oh, Rosalie being treated us really badly and such and such and blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, yeah, that, that sounds like mum. She's on a bender. Um, and then the, the tea goes back out. So I follow that back out and sit down and start talking to whatever. And and then sort of I kind of look at the time and go, well, we'll be having to leave in about 40 minutes. I better go back inside and see what's happening. And I'm talking to some people and being a bit social. Um, and then sort of see Michelle and she just stares at me and gives me this look of, if we don't leave now, I'm going to murder someone. <laughs> so what do you think I did? Great to see you, everyone. Uh, it's been fun. Catch you soon. Um and so I've said goodbye and hugs to all the people inside, go outside to where the aunties and uncles and, and mum and dad are, and just go, well, look, hey, we've got to push off. We've got to get to Moree. And I just get this really cold harumph from mum. Uh, mm. why, why can't you stay longer? I said, because we have to get back to Moree tonight. We kind of don't want to be in the middle of kangaroo country when the kangaroos come out. Um, and that's where our bags are. Like, we intentionally left our bags at the hotel so that we had to get back. Well, you oh, can't dude. even stay for dinner. But I said, well, well, unless you're going to fire up the barbecue now, which there is no evidence that you are, <laughs> like, we're not eating for an hour and a half. So we got to go. So we leave and get home. And I, you know, I learn 
after the fact with some conversations with my sister. And this is this is the part that killed me. Now, I know that my mum is sick, and, and by sick, I don't just mean she's unwell and has physical ailments. I mean, it it all of the signs that she has, you know, onset dementia, um, mm-hmm. just in that personality change stuff and, you know, the way you get angry and you're flustered and uh, all of that. You, know, you haven't quite yet got vague, but you can tell that something's going on. Yep, I know um, exactly what you're talking about. So you couple that with the fact that she's got some pretty serious heart issues. Um, she's overweight as bad as I am, or at least has been, and probably has lost some weight. But so she's physically sick. Her knees are playing up. Hasn't had a knee. Or she had a knee reconstruction last year, but there was all sorts of issues with that. The doctors have said they won't do the other one until she loses a lot more weight. All those things. Mm-hmm. Um so, and I've just kind of been, well, I, I can kind of see this as coming. I can see that's Anyway, so mum's just grumpy as all get out with us because we didn't hang around and we didn't spend enough time with them. But it was sated by the fact that my younger brother and my younger sister and her daughter were there. Like They had some of the family around, coupled with the fact that my baby sister doesn't want to know them. This is my gay baby sister who has changed her name and all of that stuff. Yep, yep. We've talked about her. <sighs> So I did ask, what happened with the Chinese? And she said, it's still sitting on the floor of the pantry. And I went, no one is eating that. And she said, no, I will make sure nobody eats that. Um, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I didn't get anywhere near it. And it's out of my control. Well, um, but that's I good. said, <laughs> you know, I said, there, there was a ton of food in that. She said, yeah, some people asked if they could take it home. And mum said, no. I went, what? Apparently some, some guests went, oh, would you mind if we take it? Because... It was kind of all brought out just before everyone left and put yep. in boxes at the back. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of like, oh, there, there is a ton of this leftover fried rice and a ton of this and blah, blah, blah. And and I think some, a couple of people went up to mum and said, look, do you mind if we take a, a tub home? That'd be really... And she's going, oh, no, we want to keep it for everyone that's eating out at the farm. Now, I've got to tell you, dude, if everyone that's eating out at the farm ate Chinese, they would be having Chinese for seven meals. There was so much food left over that it would not have hurt that the guests took home a tub of fried rice or whatever, you know, beef and black bean or something. I'm I'm getting the picture. So that was a grump. And then there was other grumps about, you know, uh, the sweets and stuff and not everybody ate as much as we thought and didn't they like it, Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then I get this phone call. uh, Phone call? Yeah, phone call out of the blue. Um, What happened with the pineapple chiffon? And I went, holy shit. And I just had to go. I took it into the kitchen. (laughs) That is where I ended that statement. Yep. Oh, okay. So, great. I took it into the kitchen. I didn't say that someone else told me to pour it into the bin. That's just where it went. That would, I just, I took it into the kitchen. And that was okay with mum. I took it into the kitchen. (laughs) That was a close. Now, Dave, normally you would think, Disgruntled parent stuff. That's where that story ends, yeah? Oh, I would hope so. <laughs> oh, we are ready to double down. Right? <laughs> so I've come home. We're back home Sunday afternoon. Long trip. Put some kilometres on the car. Everything's fine. Um, yep. Big trip. <sighs> that week, we had our big statewide conference for the church that I work for. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I'm off at that. 
Like I've, I said to him, guys, I've got a ton of stuff on. This is like week three of a five week period where every weekend I'm doing stuff. So I've been to Gilgandra the week before, the week after I'm up on the Sunshine Coast with 400 ministers and other people talking about church business. Um, crazy, crazy time. Saturday night at the conference is like a designated bit of a party time. Let's all get together and celebrate who we are. And it was a themed 70s fancy dress vibe, all of that sort of thing. Somehow I'm on the party committee. Um, so I'm helping run stuff. Guess what job I got? Emceeing the damn party. Um, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> yeah, of course I did. Um, so that that's all fine. And at, that was starting at seven o'clock. And there was a lot of prep to be done, and we were sort of making that happen through the afternoon. At about six o'clock, I get a phone call from my mum. Now, to give some context to this phone call, Bruce and his wife flew home on the Wednesday after the party. Mm-hmm. Julie and her daughter flew home the Saturday after the party, so a week after the party, the day that mum calls. Now, what's happened is that they've driven her into Dubbo and put her on the flight, and in driving back, mum's got all, all of my children have left me, why did my eldest son not hang around? Why did he not do everything that I wanted him to do? Right. So I get this bitter phone call of, you couldn't even stay for the evening. And I said, I had explained, I had set expectation through many phone calls before this, to say, we'd love to come. We're happy to be there. We can only come for the party and the afternoon. And if you're having dinner, it needs to be at six o'clock because we are out of there. We've got to get back to Maureen. Oh, no, you'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it develops into this, you know, anybody can drive from Brisbane to Kilgandra in a day. Why can't you? Why didn't you do it on Friday night? And I went, because we would have then slept in on Saturday and not seen anybody until the party anyhow, and then got up on Sunday and driven home and been even more shell-shocked because we've just done these two massive drives. We've actually, doing this is safer. We're breaking it up and you know, all that sort of stuff. Wouldn't hear the end of it. Anyway, it became Michelle's fault. It's her problem. Um, and, and bleeds into this ongoing, um, I won't call it a feud, but Michelle just doesn't take my mum's shit. And that's fine, right? That's the benefit of being the daughter-in-law. I'm not related to you. I'm not buying into this. I'm just not going to accept this behavior or be sympathetic towards it or let you try and manipulate me the way that I see you manipulate your kids. Um, so that is a huge point of tension. So all of a sudden, it's then out of the blue, like 30 minutes before this event starts that I'm emceeing, I've got my mum on the phone turning on me and telling me how it's my wife's fault that she has changed me and changed everything and she never lets them see their grandkids. And just, she's unloading. And I'm going, oh, I'm not in a position to deal with this. And oh, blah, blah. And she's getting really angry. And and like like delivers this huge statement about, um, well, I'm going to ring Michelle up and tell her what I really think of her and whatever. I said, look, that is not going to help anyone if you do. I'm trying really hard to be calm in the face of all of this stuff that's going on. Um, I said, you know that's not going to help. I'm not at home. Michelle's going to get angry at you. You're going to get angry at her. If you think it's bad now, you have no idea what's coming. Um, if you do that, like that's just not going to make anything positive. And then she lands the, the big double blow of, you know, I wish you'd never met her. Oh! 
which was the last straw for me, but I couldn't shout. Every fibre of my being oh, is wanting no. to shout at my mother and just get just really angry at her. And how long is this before you're supposed to be emceeing a thing for At that point, it's about 20 minutes. Oh, God. So there are people around me setting up and making things happen, and I've tried to find a quiet corner, and it's raining outside, so I can't go and stand in the middle of nowhere. Like, I've had to tuck myself away somewhere. Um, So at that point, that that happens, and, like, I've got a million things racing through my brain. My synapses are exploding. Uh, And I just basically said to her, is that the last thing you ever want to say to me? What do you mean? I said, you think about what you just said. Is that the last thing you want to have said to me before I hang up? Oh, well, you just... Click. I just hung up. I had to. I just couldn't <laughs> deal with it. With with oh, everything boy. in my brain just going, I will compartmentalize that and I will deal with it later. My feelings right now are that I never want to speak to her again. Um, I know that's not how I will feel later, but right now, that's how I feel. I had no intention of calling. I couldn't call her back. Like it was just, I have this job to do. Um, as it turns out, my phone explodes with texts from her over the next four hours where they are Mm -hmm. initially very angry. Oh, why did you hang up on me? You know, after all we've done for you, I'm like, I'm 44. The last thing you did for me was in my first marriage where I was an idiot and didn't know how to budget. And I've paid you back for that. Like, don't even, don't even, I know you did heaps for me, but guess what? That's the job. When you're the parent, you have to do all of the things or you work with your child and go, guess what? I'm not saving you this time, but I'll still be here to help you. And that just happens. That's the, that's the relationship. My parent, my mother has never got to the point where she has understood the transition from me being her child to me being an adult. It's just outrageous. So it, all of this unloading text, blah, 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 blah. I text Michelle. Mum will probably call you tonight. Do not answer. <laughs> she said, what's no, wrong? I said, I've had a massive blue. Sage advice, oh, considering the circumstances. I've had a massive blue. Do not answer the phone. Just, as she said, right, well, I'll put it on do not disturb so we don't even hear it. Just go straight to voicemail. I said, that is a great idea. Don't, don't listen to the voicemail. Just either save it for me or delete <laughs> it. I, you, it will not be good. I gave her the brief outline via text and then I had to go and work. Um, so that, yeah, the texts flow in from mum and there's, you know, sort of a few and then there's a big gap and then there's a few and there's a big gap. And they just got increasingly um, uh, apologetic. So it started really angry and then was, oh, I've rung Michelle and talked to her. When I saw that, the first break I had, has mum called? And she said, oh, she's left a message. So... Mum said, I've rung and talked to Michelle. No, she hadn't. She had rung and left a message. Um, And it turns out that the message that mum had left was mum apologising to Michelle. Now, that's lovely that she did that. But how's Michelle? If she had no context on this, here's her mother-in-law ringing up and apologising for calling her stuff that she didn't know that she called her. How would you react to that, Dave? (laughs) Oh, this is all just getting too too difficult to... I've got my, I've got my red wool and I'm and I'm oh. it's bits on the pin board going everywhere here, Mock, and, oh. and, and all, it's just looking like a mess at the moment. So the best part of this is 
it, it gets right yep. through to the end yep. of the night, the last texts from mum, uh, look, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry about what I said. I overreacted, you know, blah, blah, blah. I wish I could take it all back. Um, I hope you can forgive me. And I said, of course I can forgive you. We will still need to talk about this. Like, you're not getting off the hook on this by just saying sorry and saying that's it. Because in the past, it's always been, I've said sorry, that's good enough. No, we need to talk about how you hurt me and the things that you said, both that are patently untrue and hurtful, and you need to understand how that made me feel. Not from a vindictive point of view, but from a, I need to communicate to you the things that you said and how that made me feel. That's all I want to do. Um, We haven't talked. Now, admittedly, I haven't called because admittedly, I haven't exactly felt motivated to call. Uh, And as I said, I think my mum ended up in hospital uh, for a period of time again. Um, I think she's home now. I probably should call. However, it's one of those things where I will just need a night. Like I will need to call them at six o'clock and have the conversation and then spend the rest of the night trying to get my head straight again. I just can't keep up, Dave. Well, on, the upside, on the upside, Steve, at least it won't cost you a dollar for five minutes to call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Silver lining, mate. Oh, mate, that's oh, exactly right. Boy. No, I, I can't I, even. I, I, was, I was just doing some mental arithmetic, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I've just hung up on your mum going, you could have just driven down here like oh. on Friday night. I reckon Brisbane to Gill would be, by the time, you know, stop for some fuel and something to eat. There'd be a couple of stops at least, yep. It would be 10 hours? Yeah, yeah, look, it's a solid eight and a half to nine. Yeah, like, yeah, it'd be nine hours of driving plus... And we lose an hour for daylight saving. (laughs) And given that you were leaving (laughs) Brisbane at, uh, at what, around about four... Three o'clock? In the afternoon... So already four o'clock in New South Wales. You'd be getting in sort of after like two midnight. In the morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mate, <laughs> as it was, if we jump straight to New South Wales time, we left Queensland at four and got to Moree at six. Yeah. And then it's another three and a half to Gill. Mm. Mm. Like, sorry, that's nine and a half hours of get the hell out of here. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't sound particularly practical. Like, oh boy! There was just there was no even acknowledgement that we'd made the effort that we had gone. You know what? This is so important, as ludicrous as it is, for the short period of time to be there. And look, in part, that was actually about as much as my wife could handle. Um, but that we went. This is important enough that we will all be there. Because guess what? I could have just got on my bike and come down and been down for three or four days. I could have flown into Dubbo and caught you know, hey, come and pick me up. I could have done all those things. Guess what we did? The whole family came and we hung around and we did what we said. It wasn't like at two o'clock, we'll see you, we're back to Moree. No, we went out to the farm and stuff and stuff. And then we went, we have to go. Boy, oh boy. Oh. It's, it's weird getting to an age now where everything about your parents is changing, isn't it? I mean, oh. like for so long... You know, even well into your thirties, like like they are still, you know, like a bit greyer and yep. whatnot. But but things don't change that much. Yeah. And I know I noticed this time, like we dropped in on my parents on the way home from 
uh, you know, seeing you on the Gold Coast. Yep. And and all of a sudden, looking at both mum and dad, it's just like, oh wow, you guys have changed in the last twelve months. Yeah. Like it's not just a bit more grey; it's it's changed. The, things are different now, and it's like, oh, that's like pretty confronting. Yeah, yeah. Like, My dad could be Aussie Santa. Honestly, he's got the big grey white beard, just with a little bit of ginger in it still. His face is all sort of the the tanned white face because he you know lives and works outside. Um, he's got the right amount of belly. Um, yeah, put that guy in a red and white singlet and some, sh- you know, boxer shorts and put a hat on his head. Hey, yo, kids. Yeah, that's just... Ugh. It's brutal, mate, because I think... And I know that everybody goes through this with their parents at some point in the relationship where you transition from being subordinate child to fully grown adult. And... Mm. The thing that hurts me the most in all of this is that I thought it had happened. I thought it had happened ages ago. Back, in fact, about the time when I, um, uh, when my first wife and I broke up, because we went through some pretty torrid stuff in about the space of twenty four months, and I had to, you know, I was the one that had to ring my parents and say, "We're breaking up." I was the one that had to ring my parents and say, um, "Before that, oh, she's pregnant," and then a month later, "No, no, she miscarried." Um, you know, I was the one that had to and have those conversations with them and kind of in the sense of we're adults. I just have to talk to you like an adult now. Um, I don't need to sugarcoat stuff with you. I don't need to make it like, hey, sit down and get ready for this. But particularly mum has always been, no, no, you're still my son. I still have to treat you in this way where um, you're, you're my child and, and I almost like I can't admit that you've grown up, even though I keep saying how wonderful it is. And oh, look, you yeah, look, we've got um, these two wonderful grandkids that you never let us see enough and all of this sort of thing. It just, it's crazy, Dave, that rec- that recognition that no, at nearly 44, and this is why I put it back to, I think it's, it's, it's dementia or whatever is going on for mum mentally. Um, it's almost like she's forgotten it or isn't processing it because um, dad struggles, but I think dad gets it. And I think at times dad just goes along with the flow uh, of outrage or joy because that's the path of least resistance. Which goes a long way in a marriage, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, look, look, my, if we want to talk personality tops, my mom is a capital E extrovert. Like mm-hmm. all of her energy is with people. And I know that part of her frustration with her illness and in and out of hospital is that deprives her of the people contact and the um, extrovert, you know, outlet of her personality that she craves. Uh, Dad, capital I introvert. Um, he is, he's a, a practical guy. He's happy to be subordinate. He has led and done lots of leading things in his life. That's fine, but I know he's happiest when he's just allowed to potter and go and do things. So consequently, he's he's running the house for mum. He's her paid carer from a mm-hmm. government perspective uh, and takes his role very seriously. And to add to the fact, it's the woman that he loves. You know, this is the woman he's chosen to be with for 100 million years uh, and is caring for and seeing her decline in both her physical and her mental health and that's got to be killing him as well. At some point for your own self-preservation, you've kind of just got to go, I don't want to admit this is happening because if I do, this gets pretty bleak pretty quick. Mm, bloody oath. Oh, Dave, what a 40 minutes that's been. <laughs> Jeepers. 
You feeling better? <laughs> Look, I think so. Oh, good. I just... But the problem... Uh, this is not what our conversations are meant to be. They're not meant to be, hey, Dave, here's the <laughs> shit that went down in my life this week. Um, well, okay. I've got I've got a change of pace story for oh, you, please, Stephen. Oh, please, please. Okay. <laughs> so, I think you'll appreciate this one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've told you yet. So, we've lived in this house now for... Uh, it'll be 15 years in February. Great. That we've lived here. Um, and it's an older house. Like mm-hmm. It was built, built in the 60s, and um, we haven't spent an enormous amount of time or resources... <laughs> you know, on what things you might call, you know, maintenance, for example. Mm. So we've finally got to the point where we're, we're fixing things up and whatnot. But, you know, there are a lot of things that we've just come to, to live with. Like there, there are some cupboard doors that bind on the floor and they, or, you know, they do for half a year and then the house shifts and then they're fine for half a year or things like gates that don't shut sometimes and do it other times because, you know, again, the, the house moves and all that sort of thing. Mm. You just get used to it. Yeah. What, one of the things that we got used to, Steve, was, <laughs> yes, Dave. was the fact that light bulbs never seemed to last very long in our house. Now, yes. I know. That, <laughs> now, even, you know, old school uh, incandescent light bulbs, uh, you know, the type that we've had forever, you would usually expect that they would last, you know, a fair amount of time. Like, you might get a year or so out of them, yes. sometimes even longer if you were lucky, mm. right? And as for, you know, the the new fancy globes, well, you know, they, they you just get years out of them, right? Right? Yeah. In our house. Dave, <laughs> yes. In the two rooms at the front of the house, our, our, our lounge room and our dining room, the, uh, the light fittings there had, in the whole time we've lived here, Usually, like, blown a light bulb mm. every other week, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes multiple lights in the fixture. Oh, <laughs> like, Dave. Yes. So, over the years, we've spent quite a lot of money <laughs> on light bulbs. Yes. And it's one of those things where, you know, it, it didn't seem to affect anywhere else in the house. And, and we knew there was something weird going on because... The light fixtures in, in these two rooms would like just flicker randomly sometimes. And like the rest of the house wouldn't get a brown out or anything. It would just be these t- like we we got one light fixture with five bulbs in the in the living room and one with three bulbs in the dining room. And they would just flicker sometimes and and we figured we figured that was somehow related to the um to the uh, to to the fact that the bulb was burnt out all the time. Mm. And the other thing that sometimes used to happen in our house, Steve for no apparent reason, was sometimes um, in the middle of the night, the, sta- the safety switch would, like, just trip and you would wake up in the morning and have no electricity. Oh. <laughs> Dave, this is starting to sound remarkably like that time on The Simpsons when the Flanders' house got knocked down <laughs> and at that point, um, you know, the, the community came together and rebuilt it and they're walking the Flanders' around and uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have even been Barney. And he introduced, he goes, this room has too much electricity <laughs> and this room has none. So it kind of balances out. It was, it was kind of like that. So years, years we put up with this, Steve. Oh, like, <laughs> since we Dave. Moved anyway, <laughs> a couple of months ago, um, 
this flickering problem in the the lounge room just got really really bad like it, it, it got to the point where so it's like an episode uh, of Stranger Things it, it really was oh, like God. It, it, it's just like oh. the, the things are flashing and it just get, it, we're getting really really worrying and uh, I walked out onto our front deck which is near where the mains line comes into the house mm. and I could hear this arcing noise and I'm just like no that's probably not a good thing no no so, no so, if no, no, listen, listen, you'll be glad the story does not end with me <laughs> trying to do some DIY oh. electric, electrical work. Is this the ghost of Dave that I'm talking to on the main circuit? No, no, I was at least clever enough not to do that. Oh. Um, because of the thing, the first thing, because this thing, like, it progressively got worse over about a week, right? And at the start of the week, I'm going, oh god, we're going to have to call an electrician, and I, and I can just see like the bills racking up. Because you know, it's an awkward pl- place to get to. It's an, in, in terms of where these fittings are. Yeah, you know, it, it's an old house. Like we don't even have a proper um, truss roof. Like it, it's oh, gosh. like no, like it, like it's a real old school, custom built one where it's all just bits and pieces off at all funny angles. Yeah, you know, like it's doing anything up there is a, a nightmare. Um, like tradies hate working on our house. Yeah. Um, but as it got worse and worse, I finally heard the arcing, and so I thought, "Oh well, that's great. That's outside the house. I can call the the, uh, the supply company." Yes. So, sure enough, I give them a bell, and and a, like a few hours later, they're there. I'm like, "Wow, this is amazing! Marvelous! What service?" I, expl- I explain what's happening, and uh, you know how I'd heard the arcing sound from up here and all that sort of stuff. He goes, "Oh, okay," God. and he goes over to the, the, these two little uh, what I now know, Stephen. Uh, where, where the main line comes into the house, mm-hmm. like there's two lines, Great. and on each of them is a fuse container. Okay. Which I, I didn't know what these things were. They were just, I, I, I figured they were, they were doing some kind of insulating work, but I, you know, I'm not a sparky. Yeah. And these things were covered in moss, and I'd never given it two thoughts. Yeah. Anyway, they open up one of them, and they go, oh, that's probably part of the problem. This fuse has but like burnt out, yes. but hasn't done it properly, and so like it's still arcing through there, and that's probably <sighs> been doing that for quite some time. Oh, <laughs> At which what? point I'm thinking, I wonder if it's been doing that for 14 years. Yes. <laughs> anyway, the they look through that they like they're like, oh, this is really old. They rumble through the truck like, nah, no, I haven't got one. Go back to the depot, and the thing is the. There were two of them, right? Uh, two, two electricians. And the one who'd come to the front door was super gregarious. Just wanted to talk about absolutely yes. everything. Super, super chatty, blah, 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 blah. And so I've gone outside with him and he's like talking about all the stuff. Like your postman, mate. <laughs> yes, except with a bit less, you know, far right, you know, sympathies. But he... <laughs> so he's, we're chatting away nonstop. He's the one who decides to go back to the depot, uh, which is only a few blocks away. Yeah. Because I, I, don't, I don't live in the trendy part of town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Close to my house are an airport and an electrical uh, distribution company depot. Oh, how's um, the convenience? <laughs> exactly. This is the castle all over again. <laughs> it's it so easy. I even built my own patio. Anyway. <laughs> Dave dug a hole. <laughs> Actually. Did you, Dale? That's great. Anyway, so the chatty guy goes off to, uh, to, to back to the depot to see if he can find a fuse for these ridiculously old fuse yes. containers. And so I try to stay, spark up a conversation with the other bloke who's still up the ladder. Yes. 
yeah, he's not particularly. It's not chatty. <laughs> not like he's. Yep. Yep. Nah. Yep. And after about three questions, I realise I've got nothing left to ask. <laughs> At which point, I'm just sitting there, like on the deck next to this guy, oh. in silence, not comfortable silence, mind you, Stephen. A very uncomfortable silence. <laughs> While we wait for the guy to get back to the depot, hopefully oh, we'll use. And so the guy up the ladder, he's not doing anything. No, he's just he's just standing up a ladder. Great. Oh, he's just going, mate, if you don't shut up, I will electrocute myself. <laughs> I was like, okay. Thankfully, again, because as I said, we live very close to Jesus. the electrical depot. The, the guy gets back. Yes, he's found a fuse. They pop it in there. Bang, bang, bang. All good. He's like, yep. No worries. Great. You should be. You should be. You should be great. Like, you okay, should be safe right. again. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, uh, it all seemed r- rather uneventful. But you know, the good news was that the you know the flickering lights, which had had been a problem for the, like the week or so leading up to that, gone. Yes. Great. Not a problem at all anymore. And not only were there like the the, the 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 big flickering lights that we'd had over that week not happening anymore. Yeah. Like the the, the occasional flickering lights that would, used to happen every now and again. Also, not happening anymore. Right. And you know what else, Stephen? We haven't replaced a light bulb since. <laughs> so, are you able to change those fuses out the front, or is that them? No, no, that's the, like, no, the, the um, like, oh, I don't even know, what, the integral, essential energy, or whatever they're called, who, it, the, the power people. Or, the power people. The, the county council. Yeah. You'd remember, you'd remember that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The county council put them in there and, like, they own that stuff because it's on the main line. Someone so. else turned up and did it. So, no, no, well, no, they did it, but this is the thing, like... Oh, no, but I mean, compared to us, someone else oh, turned yeah. up oh, and did exactly. it. exactly, yeah. So the only way that stuff gets changed is if the people from the county council decide that they would have to change it. And they will only have to change it if they can't find any more of these ridiculously old and rare fuses. So it might happen. But... It strikes me, Stephen, that one phone call to the county council... 14 years ago. 14 years ago could have saved me. I'm guessing somewhere in the realm of maybe $2,000 worth of light bulbs. Oh, you're lucky that you've discovered that in this situation and not a phone call to the county council 14 years ago could have saved that massive electrocution that I experienced. (laughs) Well, this is true. Well, yes. Well, see, the problem wasn't too much electricity getting in, Stephen. It was it not getting in, you know, evenly. Oh. It, and the other thing, safety switch hasn't uh, flipped ever since that was fixed. Oh, either. brilliant. So, so it was so, a, really a case of unregulated. Yeah. It was just not, it was not good. Oh. Um, so there you go. So that, oh. I, can take, I can take that off the list now because I've had electricity written there for a while. But... <laughs> I just, I, I thought, you know, as, as a fellow homeowner, oh. you, you, would, you would appreciate that. That, yeah. you know, like how long can you let something slide before you finally have to deal with it, only to find out that it fixed a whole bunch of other problems. <laughs> yep. I hear that. And it wasn't even my problem. Like, oh, someone else fixed it. Well, that's the best. That Ultimately, that fix cost you nothing. Oh, that's great. It did, which was great. But now, but... It, well, nothing except for, like I said, thousands of dollars That's worth right. of light bulbs. It could have like, been a, other fixes a, that it, yes. There was an opportunity cost there, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, so, you know. Dave. Oh, jeepers. <clears throat> I have a new fence, though. Good. 
Yeah, I paid someone. <laughs> I paid someone to do it. Great, that's my best kind of fence. Oh, look. Well, I painted it myself though. Or I'm I'm two coats in. Yeah. And it need it needs a third. And let me tell you, I'm getting good, good biceps. You know, working with yep. the, the little spray gun thing. But the, the we keep our caravan in the backyard, and. Um, our Kelpie likes to chew on things and destroy things. Mm. And one of the things that she liked to destroy were the cables on the front of the caravan, the power cables. Of course. And uh, also the straps on the caravan cover. So we don't have anywhere else we can keep the bloody thing. So the solution that we came up with was we'd like just put like a a little fence. Like, you know, those mesh fences like they used to have around, around primary schools and that sort of stuff. We figured we'd put one of them just like alongside the van to keep the kelpie away from it right mm. brilliant easy you know you can buy all the bits and pieces straight off the shelf at bunnings a uh, couple of hundred bucks how hard can it be Stephen? <sighs> would it shock you to hear that a man who works with computers all day doesn't really know how to use a string line properly <laughs> not at all dave not for so, a second this is so... where we find our common ground girl crodger <laughs> like i know what a string line is doesn't mean I know how to make I it even, work. I even know, like, yeah, I don't even know why you use one. <laughs> yeah, so we went very quickly from the idea of maybe I can build a front fence for us to you should not, in any sense, build a front <laughs> fence because this thing, like, the back fence, right? Mm. Four poles and some wire panels that like screw in between them. Yep. It's less of a fence and more of an art project. <laughs> Because <laughs> it has this like interesting zigzag effect, right. and yeah, so we decided that that probably wasn't what we wanted to go for. For you know, the front boundary fence that would be one of the first things everyone saw. First when impressions our count, house. and this yeah. is not an art commune. No, so so <laughs> the bloke who we got to build our bathroom earlier in the year, um, <laughs> <bless him. laughs> who had put up with the, the you know all the horrors of our house and like not a single thing in the room being square yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like like the just nothing and it was square uh we actually managed to coax him back to build a front fence because he was like yeah that that shouldn't be too much yeah, of a problem yeah. no no that's a load-bearing <laughs> tile yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway first thing he has to do is like remove the old fence mm-hmm. you know this is going you know not too bad this sure is a, you know pretty straightforward like it, it's the old, it, the old fence was horrible it was collapsing it was covered in ivy so it was a bit of a mess but not too bad next job we need to dig, um, dig some post holes for the new fence now in the spot where he wanted to dig the post holes it turns out that someone and obviously not us yep. but someone who had owned the the, uh, the house before us decided that there should be a one foot square like a one foot like cubed um, concrete plinth underneath where the fence line went <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> like I don't like there is there is concrete buried underground all over this block. Like Gosh. we found it in the backyard, we found it where underneath the fence. So this poor bugger oh. then has to go and get a jackhammer. Yeah, and and deal with the stress of knowing that the Telstra lines are down there somewhere. Oh, of course. I mean, don't get me wrong, Dave. If if it's a and concrete the gas farm, <laughs> if it's a concrete farm and you're trying to grow concrete, that's fine. That's what you need to do. Yeah, it just yeah. takes some time. But if you're wanting to not be a concrete farmer, um, that's not helpful. Yeah, and so um, so we 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 had that. We had um, oh, some of the pipes from our house uh, connecting to services 
uh, weren't where the maps said they were, so we had to do a little bit of ad hoc plumbing. Uh, got it all done in the end. I don't know if he's ever going to come back, which is a bit of a concern because we still need our laundry fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, if he's smart, he'll have just started releasing. Instead of tapping on things on his way past and going, I'll be back. Yeah, this is, I know what that is. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, have you ever heard stories about how, um, uh, like, people who are, like, professional pool cleaners, mm-hmm. how if, you, if they get a client who won't, um, who won't pay their bill... The, the the old story is that they'll sneak back into the place and dump, um, I think it's Conti's crystals, into the pool, yes. which makes it turn purple. Yep. And so then it, when they the people you know, ring up another pool person to come and fix it, pool person walks in, sees a purple pool, realises this, this is someone who doesn't pay their bill, says, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you shortly, and just never goes back again. Yeah. Um, I'm really worried that there's some kind of, like, uh, like I'm looking around the place, to see whether our, our uh, tradie has left any like secret marks, like like or like, or like you know like you know like like the hobo marks. Yes, that's right. <laughs> this is a place for food. Don't come here. These people are horrible. Those kinds yeah. of marks. I'm really worried that there's like some kind of like um, builder mark hidden on a fence somewhere, so that any anyone any other tradies we get to come and look at the house, they'll get the one that says this house is a disaster zone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like pays bills on time, but house is disaster. Yeah, at a zero, they'll pay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, oh, it's diabolical, yeah. isn't it? It is. It is just. Oh, I'll I'd love it. to think that I could quid pro quo with some of these builders at some point and go, yeah, yeah, no, I'll fix your computer. I'll show you how to make all of the things happen. I'll even spend some time training you. I'll do all of that. That's easily worth the ten grand that you've just quoted me to fix the thing. <laughs> yeah, good. I, I used to have a a, uh, a butcher who was mm-hmm. very, very bad at interneting and computering. Yes. <laughs> and... and uh, he, we actually did have a bit of a quid pro quo there for a while, where he would do ridiculously stupid things to his uh, the computer in his shop yeah. and get it to the point. Like he was one of these people that would have like four hundred and seventy Internet Explorer toolbars oh. oh. <laughs> and not know how to get rid of oh. them. <laughs> and so, yeah. Every, so every time he did something like ridiculous like this to his machine, I, I I'd be going around to do the shopping and he'd be like. Is there any chance you got a bit of free time? I'm like, maybe mm. why? <laughs> and uh, how good your so ribeye at the moment? <laughs> well, this is the thing. I'd head out the back into the shop <laughs> and be confronted with like an abomination <laughs> of whatever oh. we'd done to, to Windows XP, <laughs> um, and I'd spend you know an hour or so there cleaning it up, fixing it, um, undoing all of the disasters. Um, and then I'd get that week's meat for free, so that was nice. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was incredible how quickly though he could take it back to a state of uh, utter devastation. So yeah, I got, I got plenty of free snags. That was good. <laughs> well, that helps. Hey, I've got some forward sizzle for you, man. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. says, opening a piece of paper. I got a text from one of the associate pastors at the Baptist church that my family and I attend. Oh, quick catch up. So (laughs) we've been going to this Baptist church for 13 years, right? Right, okay. Capital C conservative. Like Mm. I know, I know, I know, I know. We've talked before about, you know, my progressive theology and my understanding of how we should support LGBTIQ people and all of that stuff. And all of the things. Plus, I work for a church that is... 
openly having the discussion about how we as a church support and care for LGBTI people. What do we do about um, uh, the you know same-sex marriage? So it's not like it's just from on high someone said, no, that's not a thing, or yes, that's a thing. We're saying we want to hear what everybody in the church thinks. Let's talk about it. Which I know some people go, just do it, it's a thing. I hear you. What we're acknowledging is that within the church, there's a difference of opinion. So let's talk it out, right? Not so in places like Baptist churches. Um, right. And I have to be careful in how I say my home church now, because while we've been going to this Baptist church for 13 years, we aren't members. We haven't become members. That's a whole other podcast conversation. Um but love the senior pastor, love a bunch of people there, care for them, have been happily involved in ministry, doing stuff with them. Now that I'm working for the Uniting Church, um, it wasn't evident that it would be a problem that I wasn't a member anymore because I grew up in the Uniting Church and certainly was a member. Uh, however, it became blatantly obvious about six weeks ago that I need to reactivate my membership in the Uniting Church, which means I need to start going to a Uniting Church. Uh, even though I go to lots of different ones, I don't call one home because hey, can, can, me and my hey, family I, go to this Baptist church. I, I, I just got to pull you up there. See, yeah. I, I, I just find that whole concept really weird because I'm pretty sure that despite the fact that I haven't set foot in a Catholic church in a long, long time and I am pretty sure that they consider me on the books until Oh, I'm, I'm sure dying. they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, the, the, this, there's this no idea, such thing. This, yeah, I mean, you know, you can be a lapsed Catholic, but as far as they're concerned, you're still a Catholic. Yeah. Um, like so, this, this idea of like of active membership is something that I find mind-boggling, Stephen. No such thing as a lapsed Protestant. You are coming to our church, or you're not. Uh, I actually thought that my membership was still with the United Church, and it turns out that the last did you, place I was did you going. Get a card? No, I didn't even get a. a <laughs> like, please explain. Like, is, is I just like got no, struck no, off the list. No, but, um, but that's what I mean. Like, is this like being in the Phantom, like in the Phantom fan club, where like like they send you out a little piece of cardboard that has your, your name and your number? No, on? not even. Oh, okay. You, just, you might well, get a you handshake and a special how service. A, how do you know if you're a member or not? Then, well, because you, you get a, a handshake and a special service where they welcome you formally and officially as a member of the congregation. Oh, this is even weirder than the Masons. No way, man. It's not special handshakes. It's all very open. Anyone can turn up. All the stuff. Um, so, you don't, you don't, a friend... Don't you wear an apron? No, no God, no. no. Uh, okay. There's no, you know, aliens when you get to level 36 or... Um, <laughs> many would disagree again. I'm, look, I understand you. Um, <laughs> so, a friend of mine who's a minister in the Uniting Church said, hey, well, how about you just become a member of our congregation and we'll see your role as an acknowledged ministry one that gets you out and about all the time. So, we know that you won't come here regularly, but that you'll come here sometimes. So I've been a minister of this other congregation in the Uniting Church now for four weeks. Haven't been there. Haven't been there for six months before this. Um, I'm going on Sunday for the first time, so that'll be fun. Um, but that, that it's a good thing, right? It gives me some buy-in, some, um, uh, some skin in the game. Not that I didn't have any way before, but now I very formally have skin in the game, which is a positive thing. But it leaves me in a position where I can't call the Baptist church we've been going to our home church because I now have this other home church. So which is my church? I'm in both churches. Um, I got a text earlier today from one of the associate pastors at this Baptist church that I go to. He's new. He's been there nearly 12 months. Great guy. Great guy. 
But of course, the, the, the marriage equality vote conversation that's come up has meant lots of different things to lots of different people. And the pastoral team at the church that I go to put out a 15-point note saying that the pastors of this church believe. Bang. All of these things. Now, in reading it, didn't surprise me. I'll give you just some highlights, right? Um, The first point, the Bible teaches that marriage is a gift from God to humankind. I'm buying in on that. And is only between a man and a woman with some relational limitations. Well, that last part depends on how you read the Bible. And this is where it starts to become a problem, right? Progressive mog, conservative Baptist church. I was going to say, now, so are they on the you have to marry your brother's widow, like, (laughs) Bible teaching? Well, they don't quite go that deep. I will offer that. Well, see, see, this is the frustrating point, Stephen. How how can you tell where to draw the line? You know, like, at at this point... You know, they say that they're arguing what's in the Bible, but really they're not. They're arguing that they want to have part of what's in the Bible. And and I think the marriage equality people are arguing the same thing. They want to have a part of what's in the Bible. It's just that the marriage equality people think the line should be drawn much closer to none of the stupid sexist stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of the people against marriage equality want a little bit more of the stupid sexist stuff. But they're both on the same team. They both They both agree that, you know, not everything in the Bible makes sense. Well, this is the thing. If you are a small L liberal progressive theologian such as myself, um, you say that there is lots of stuff in the Bible that is important. And I believe that these things, you know, list them all out. I believe it all to be true. This stuff happened that you don't see it as a... And I know that people go more progressive than me and go, okay, some of that didn't happen, but it's great stories that teach us things. I'm at the point where I go, I read lots of the Bible and go, yes, that stuff historically is a thing. I don't believe, for example, that when God created the earth that he did it in seven human days. I believe he did it in seven God days, which could be millions of years. Um, but I don't, I don't intend to profess that I understand that. I just go, that's part of the great mystery that is faith. Um, but the problem is that we then get people, particularly conservatives, that go, these Bible verses explicitly state... And you go, you know what? If I just read it at that level, that is exactly what they say. If I start to then dig and pick at the thing and go, well, why did Paul write that? Or what was happening at the time that this wrote? Or what was the scenario that they were in when this was written as to why this maybe was written like this? For example, if Paul had stood up or if Jesus had stood up and gone, hey, everyone, I reckon that women are just as important as blokes. You know what would have happened? Death. And I don't mean at 33 when he was crucified. I mean right then, right there, heretic has to die. So he did everything, lots of things in his life to elevate women and to see them as important and to encourage people to recognize that women are as important as dudes. Lots of parts of the church don't see that. Um, (laughs) Wait, wait. The entire Catholic Church doesn't see that. (laughs) Oh, mate, it's, it's a thing. Right, it is... It is such an interesting thing. So this, like they even go on, marriage is intended by the creator to be for life. 100% on board with that. Um, Point three, but sin and or our brokenness means some marriages now sadly end in divorce. I believe that to be correct. Because of statement two, statement three fits consistently with what I believe and understand. 
then it starts to play onto, and this is the one that gets stuck in my craw. Um, because of sin and fallenness, not this, some people choose to live together as a couple, but without marriage, well, that's their choice. The church would call that sin. Others would call that living together. I mean, take your call on that. This is the other one. This is the one that hurts. Other people in their fallenness and brokenness experience same-sex attraction from an array of complex causes and or choices. So this is where, conser- and, and I think it highlights conservative theology and where they come from. This helps us understand where your Lyle Shelton's and those sorts of people anchor their arguments. And that is that they draw the line at understanding that people are born gay, which I'm absolutely on board with, that people are who they inherently are, are same-sex attracted or bisexual or queer or transgender or whatever, whoever they work themselves out to be. I'm on board with that. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong and Jesus said this is the only way it has to be. I'm going to tell you that Jesus is about love and he loves you. And guess what? The whole nature of modern faith and Christianity for me is understanding the things that we do that are wrong and that God wants to be in relationship with us. That's it. So let's work that out. Let's not put, you know, boundaries and say, well, you're more of a sinner than I am. Because guess what? It's not. It is not that. So tonight, I'm having a conversation with that associate pastor about my understanding of same-sex marriage and how that fits with this statement. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know if this is a... I think it is legitimately a want to understand my position. I think. At worst, it is a, well, you can't come here anymore. I don't think it's that. But this is the scenario. This is, this is where... Our, our friends that voted no, this is, for a lot of them, the position that they come from. So if you wanted to understand why, it is not that they are necessarily bigoted or homophobic. It's that they, this is their core tenets of their belief. This is where they come from. So naturally, their expression is, hey, we all stuff stuff. You know, we all get things wrong. We all need God in our lives. It's just that for me, I may have stolen a bar when I was a kid and I swore and I got divorced. For you, it's that you love another dude. Um. Yeah, that's yeah. Stuff. I I, I kind of think that 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 core tenet is the bigoted part. Though. I think that's that's the problem. Well, it, 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 but like I said, it comes back to that core understanding that conservative Christians believe that homosexuality is a learned, um, a learned thing. It's not a who you are thing. Yeah, and that's the problem. That like, is indeed that's, the problem. That's just ignoring like generations of reality because I mean uh, let's be blunt given the absolutely horrible way that same-sex attracted people have been treated for hundreds and hundreds of years like under those circumstances no one no one would choose Mm. to to, to be same-sex attracted when it could absolutely like well, even now there are still country, countries where that can put your life at risk. Yeah, mate, it, it, you're exactly right. Like, this is the scenario. And the, the problem is we have a history littered with people who have done harm to themselves. We have a history littered with people who have lived a life that is a lie because they're just not comfortable. They feel they are unsafe if they profess who they really are. And it's it's just 
it honestly pains me that the church is at the center of a lot of the reason that they feel those things. Um, that's so, not a good place for us to be. So here, here's the question, Mog, that, 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 that I can't get past. Given that this church mm. seems to be, you know, really... It, it, it does not fit in with your understanding of theology mm. and, and it holds positions that you know, I know are ones that you don't hold. Yep. Why are you still going there? Because my, my view on things, broadly speaking, Dave, is that we don't all have to agree on all of the theological things to get along. You know? That's very big of you. Like... There are, there are other things that we disagree about. I, I grew up a Uniting Church kid. I would have to say that I'm still a, you know, capital P progressive, small L liberal theologian because of that. And I bring that into my life. I go to a Baptist church which tells me, sorry, Mulk, your baptism as a baby doesn't count. Yet in the Bible, I can point to the thing where it says, and they baptized everyone in the guy's house his slaves, his children, everyone. Now, they got into the kingdom of God just the same as me being baptized as a kid. We believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Guess what, guys? I was four months old when mine happened. That doesn't mean that I'm not baptized. I'm baptized. So Baptist churches say you can only be baptized if you stand up and profess your faith. So therefore, you can't be an infant and be baptized. You can be dedicated, you can be prayed for, you can be cared for. So we agree, We sorry, we disagree fundamentally on something that makes this church be a thing. But I still love these guys. I still think that God is doing amazing things with them and through them. Um, don't get me wrong, this year more than any other, I have had the thoughts to say, yeah, is this the time where I need to go? I love you guys and I need to not be here. I also have to take into account that this is the only church my kids have ever known. I have to take into account that they have a lot of friends there and that there's a really vibrant uh, children's and youth ministry program that they have benefited hugely from. And if we go, where do we go? Because I look around the Uniting Churches in my area and there are none that offer what this church offers. Hmm. It's a tough call. So, like, the best part is that tonight will either be, look, we just, you know, openly shared our views and values and we still care about each other and that's great. And that's honestly where I think it will get to. Um, I don't expect to be excommunicated <laughs> or kicked out. <laughs> um, I, I think it will just be probably him coming away and saying, I profoundly disagree with you. And I say, you know what? And that's the same for me, but that doesn't mean I don't care about you any less. Mate, like I said, you, you're a bigger man than I am, Stephen. <laughs> well, it, it will be an interesting conversation, let me tell you. All right. Mate, I'm going to have to go. Yes, I'm glad that i too long. Callie's, no, no, no. Callie's just got back from school camp, so <laughs> I'm going to guess that, um, that she'll be FaceTiming Lily. Yeah, you've got three minutes. Hour. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I probably need to take advantage of that while I can. Yes, go and enjoy. Give them all the big hug and stuff. I will do. You take care of yourself, Stephen Mulk. Thank you, Dave. Hopefully, uh, look, 
now that everything works again, let, let's talk a bit sooner than last time. Oh, please. Can we? It's been over we a can. month. We can. We can indeed. All right. Let's. I love you, Steve Mob. Love you too, Dave. Bye.